Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lizenby. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lisenby. You know, it may come as a surprise to some of our listeners because our work lives are very much intertwined, but I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long, Kate. What witchy stuff is going on in your life right now? What's on a city witch's mind? I know it was really strange over our break not to see you, but, you know, mm-hmm. luckily Instagram has a voice note function. Yes. Um, you know, I'm feeling this upcoming full moon a lot, and Mercury RX began today, plus my, like, you know, pretty fun general seasonal depression. And so I'm just kind of hanging out right now. I've been watching Station Eleven, which is a really beautiful sci-fi show. I've been going to sleep before 10 p.m., which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. Drinking herbal tea like my life depends on it. Um, I also just finished the Imbolc and Ostara section of the Missing Witches book that I've been talking about. And now I also can't stop thinking about Maria Sabina. So more on that later. But what about you? Uh, Well, first off, thank Goddess for voice notes, Mm -hmm. um, helping me stay connected despite a time zone difference. But yeah, I mean, winter cocoon life is the overall mood right now for me as well. Probably a lot of witches, Mm -hmm. so resting, reading all the things. But also my camellia trees are starting to bloom, so there's a lot of pink flowers in my otherwise drab yard. And as we all know, flower magic is powerful medicine. I'm also seeing more bees. So even though we're still very much midwinter, the emergence of spring, the coming of bride, it really is right around the corner. Hopefully some flower essences, maybe. Yes. And also your birthday. Happy early birthday to you, our Aquarius poet witch. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is my golden birthday, 29 on the 29th. So as an Aquarius, what are you looking forward to most about your season? Well, first of all, I love Aquarius season because I'm a little bit of a birthday witch. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love any excuse for celebration and for marking time. But also, I do feel a lot of pride over my astrological sign. I love Aquarius's innovation and rebelliousness, much like Riss mentioned in her episode last week um, or two weeks ago. (laughs) My sun and Mercury and Saturn are all in Aquarius. So fellow Aquarius listeners, happy birthday to you as well. Looking forward to embracing rebelliousness and authenticity and weirdness this Aquarius season. Definitely. And so it is. (laughs) Um, But today we'll be covering some questions sent in from you, our magical listeners, a little witchcraft 101, if you will. Uh, Kristen, do you want to start us off? I would love to. 
received this question on Instagram from Alexandra, right on trend with Aquarius season themes. She asked us about authenticity and making our practice our own. Love it. Same. And as soon as I saw this question come through, I said, yes, we're answering this one because we see it pretty frequently. So full disclosure, this takes time, right? Mainly because many of us are still figuring out who we are as human beings, what's important to us, what are our gifts. So it can be challenging to try and create this picture-perfect practice that feels authentic and organic when we're not quite sure what that means or what we hope to gain from it. Because witchcraft is so nuanced. Nobody can speak for all witches, nor would I ever try. But I would suggest that an authentic practice includes a lot of play. I consider play and rest a form of inner child work and sort of a doorway to the unconscious where we can learn more about what we value, what we fear, what we want more of, what feels natural, what feels forced, and most importantly, what we love. Yes. Because whatever we love can be included in our craft. And whatever we love, no matter how unmagical it may seem, there are ways to witchify it. Reading, gardening, graphic design, yoga, cooking, cleaning, music, you name it. I've been doing a lot of writing for my inner child lately, and during one of my last sessions, I was writing all the things I loved doing as a child, which I've done many times before, but this time something came through that I haven't thought about in so long, and that was, as a child, I loved hula hooping. Yes. Yes. So I ordered a hula hoop, which is so random. But I'm not joking when I say that I have every intention of incorporating it into my craft. I'm not sure what that looks like yet, but I know that for me, nostalgia is such a powerful emotion. We can use it to charge intentions and sigils, and I like to use it as a doorway or threshold for ritual and speaking with the unconscious. I'm laughing really hard right now over here because... I also love hula hooping so much, and I ordered my first tarot deck and hula hoop at the same time when I was, like, about 20, and I'm just so excited for you, and I have some (laughs) good tricks for you to try when you're ready. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I'll definitely be calling you when it comes in. Yes, hula hoop witchery. Yes, and if anyone else out there um, loves hula hoops, we'd love to hear about it. Definitely. But beyond hula hoops and play, I also think consistency is key to an authentic practice because if you're doing something every day or every few days and you hate it, it's probably a sign to try something else. So maybe joining some sort of community, uh, either online or in person, moon circles, retreats, covens, workshops— You know, it might help you stay inspired and pinpoint what feels right and authentic to you. What do you think, Kate? Yeah, you know, I think that authenticity is just such a fascinating word. And I believe that if your practice is coming from you and feels right, then it's authentic. And this can be the truth in the most simple way, in my perspective. 
And if you feel like you're jumping through hoops, you know, not hula hoops in your witchcraft (laughs) or feel kind of snagged up emotionally or, you know, if you're hurting others and then these are things that you can reevaluate to, you know, reconnect to yourself and make it more you, more supportive, more aligned. And I think that a little bit of this is confidence, but a lot of it is trust. And for me, it's that trusting of the inner knowing inside and you know, kind of sussing out like, yes, is this correct? Does this feel right? And I think this process can take a while because everything around us is screaming constantly for us to not trust ourselves. And there Mm -hmm. are so many amazing books, teachers, newsletters, podcasts that can give you frameworks or backgrounds for your practice. Um, But then it's really up to you to decide what's right for you. And For me, personally, I think that a decade of therapy, psychedelics, a wonderful community that has educated and lifted me up, and a love of reading gave me what I needed to feel authentic to myself. And that's something that's, you know, evolving and changing every day, right? Like, what's true today doesn't have to be true tomorrow, and that's some permission that you can give yourself to evolve and to change. I'm glad you brought that up because— you're right. Like what feels authentic yesterday may feel forced tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So just being open to riding that wave and seeing where it takes you um, is an important key. Yeah. What question do we have next? So two folks reached out about finding or selecting a god or goddess to work with. Another question that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. What's your strategy? So I don't know about for you, Kristen, but for me, the gods or goddesses that I need the most have always seemed to find me. And I think this has kind of come from a long time love of mythology and some early instruction from my parents. You know, we read a lot, but, you know, when you first hear a myth or a story and then you kind of feel or remember a connection to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of like my first clue always to dive deeper into a specific god or goddess. You know, maybe I leave an offering out or write a poem dedicated to them, and then I just kind of see how the relationship unfolds. I might try to like pay attention to the everyday, like do I see signs of this deity showing up? Do I feel supported or called to examine new areas of my life, areas that these specific gods or goddesses may reign over? I think that, you know, candle magic can be a really wonderful way to connect um, beyond leaving offerings. And if you're looking to call in a new archetypal deity, god, goddess to work with, then they're not just kind of arriving for you once you start paying attention, like, Maybe a meditation, allowing yourself to be open to messages could be a really wonderful way. Um, Kristen and I have both written lots of articles for the Magic and Alchemy blog that share many of the gods and goddesses' stories that we know and love. And there are also some booklets available on tamedwild.com. And so if you're looking to just get familiar with some new stories first, I think that would be a really great place to start. What do you think? I'm probably going to mirror a lot of what you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes to reading stories, dissecting myths, asking questions, and just letting them choose you to a certain degree. Also, maybe consider getting an oracle or a goddess deck 
And you don't have to be a tarot expert or card expert whatsoever, but if there is a card you keep pulling with a certain deity, I would say maybe that's worth exploring. Mm -hmm. I'm also the person who likes extending an invitation, kind of like what you said, um, along with a question. Mm -hmm. So I'll go to my altar, light a candle, craft a simple offering, um, and leave a question. And if I get an answer not, you know, right away, but over the course of a few days or weeks, then I take their response sort of as like an RSVP to my invitation. And then the journey begins. Um, I read books about them, learn their stories, meditate with them, get like a small statue or relic to represent them um, on my altar. I write them letters, just anything I can to get to know them better. Um, and also just being consistent, but also patient is really helpful as well. Mm, I love that. And if anyone, I have the Amy Sophia Marashinsky uh, goddess oracle deck, and I, I really do enjoy that one if people are looking for a recommendation for a deck. Amazing. Yeah. Next, we had a great question about coming out of the broom closet to family and friends. Mm, yes. What are your thoughts? I suppose I can only speak for myself and hope that maybe there are others out there that can take something away from this. But for me, it was helpful to ask myself why I was hesitant to come out of the broom closet. Mm. So do you feel unsafe coming out as a witch? Because that is a real and valid fear for some of us. Do you feel unwelcome or think you're not experienced enough? Which there's no such thing as experienced enough because witchcraft and magic are such deep, ancient topics that I think most every witch I know would call herself a forever student. Absolutely. Do you feel like witchcraft goes against what your parents slash religious systems slash friends say is, quote, right? Are you embarrassed of witchcraft? Are you scared to be ridiculed for your beliefs? Or is it a fear of being seen, seen for who you truly are? Because that's really scary. It's one thing to be judged for the mask we wear to, you know, out in the world, but it's another to experience judgment or unkind responses to something you know to be a part of you and your soul or your purpose. Mm. So I think that's a good place to start. For me, I know it was a fear of being seen. So I rejected it all at first. Uh, you know, I have some fun Scorpio placements in the first house, so we can always <laughs> blame astrology. Yes. Um, but in general, I'm an introverted person and it can be hard to talk about myself. And I knew that reclaiming the word witch would open the door for a lot of questions. But I really love what Shelby said in her interview a little while back that mm. it's okay to say, I don't know, I'm still learning. Mm. And that's also a really great thing to say, even if you do know, but maybe you just don't want to get into a conversation about it right then, because that will probably happen a lot too. <laughs> 100%. And yes, <laughs> I, I love that advice so much. And I don't know about you, Kate, but I know for some of us, witchcraft is a spiritual practice. For others, it's an avenue to practice magic. And for many, it's a way to connect with earth and cosmic energies that are bigger and much older than us. And so 
I think also deciding what your definition of witch and witchcraft is can be helpful. And then you just have to do it, right? Call it shadow work, face the fear. Can I ask, Kate, what is your definition of a witch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the eternal <laughs> the eternal question. Um, yes. But, you know, to me, a witch lives cyclically. The witch uh, can be a person of any gender who observes the stars, the moon, plants, and honors the web of all that is, which is a reclamation, revolution, a rising tide, and a way to tear down the oppressive forces that are. I think witch is a route of imagination to say, this is who I am and this is my path. Oh, I love that definition. I'm going to take some notes over here, Thank borrow you. some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? What about the broom closet? What do you think? Mm, as far as coming out of the broom closet, like I really loved all of these questions that you asked above. I think they're almost like the perfect guided meditation or writing exercise to work through. So really, I would recommend, you know, pull out a journal and a pen, work through these questions that Kristen posed, maybe even examining where this fear arises in the body. Like, I think our bodies can give us such fascinating messages, clues, and lessons. Um, You know, for me personally, it felt so freeing to be a witch when I was young, impossible as a teenager and in my early 20s, and then Now it kind of just feels like I have no choice (laughs) and this is the work that I want to do and must do and it's much like my practice as a poet or a writer. And so once I identified that need, I did the shadow work around it again, like Kristen mentioned, and you know, we're here for you through the witch wide web and if it's time for you to come out of the broom closet, we are celebrating that for you. That's one thing I love about social media and the witch web. No matter where we live, if you know, you're like me and you're kind of isolated, we can connect with other witches and join communities to support us in our magical endeavors. And it's really helpful on days when you feel like you need some validation. Absolutely. Last question here from Bookworm KT. Um, and they asked, ancestor work seems important. What if you don't think any ancestors of yours were witchy and would connect? So we love talking about ancestors. Kristen, what do you think? It's really interesting this question came up because I was actually talking about this same thing with our season one guest, uh, art witch Caitlin Barone. I asked her just the other day, do you think it's disrespectful to invite ancestors into my practice when I do not think in life they would have been into it or accepting or supportive? Because to my knowledge, I do not come from a line of witches, at least not any who are vocal about it. But I did come from a line of nurses and gardeners and artists, so I like to think those avenues can be doorways for working with ancestors in our craft in a way that feels organic to both of us. Mm. So like when I work with plants, I'm using my late grandfather's gardening tools, and that is a sacred act for me, although from the outside it may not look like it. 
So, you know, I'm whispering intentions into seeds. I'm speaking to the plants, also to my grandfather. And I have to believe that because I'm engaged with something that was also sacred to him, uh, working with the earth, that he doesn't care that to me it's witchcraft. He just wants to be in the garden with me. I love that. And Caitlin and I also just kind of came to the conclusion that in death, in spirit form, our souls um, were so much smarter and wiser and more understanding and open-minded than we are in life. I think our ancestors just want to be connected to us in any way they can because through us, they live on. So whether we're connecting with them through meditation or garden magic or mirror gazing, channeled writing, um, you know, unless we get a strong response that they do not want to be contacted, I say go for it. And you might be surprised or have other ancestors or guides come through during that process. Mm. I love that advice. And I love that conclusion that you and Caitlin came to. It's so true. Um, Passing through beyond the veil definitely does not leave one unchanged. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, some of my ancestors would probably be horrified um, on this plane uh, (laughs) that their queer witch of a granddaughter is living unmarried at almost 30 with a dog and a man in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at you, Arkansas Baptist preacher ancestors. Kidding. (laughs) I love you guys, but you know what I mean, you know. And, you know, with with this, I've just found new ways to connect. Like, I've left offerings and scraps of paper for them to understand me better with notes. I've asked questions. I've studied folk traditions instead of just straight-up magic because, you know, even if my ancestors weren't practicing magic, they were definitely observant of plants in the area, you know. They were mm-hmm. farmers, too, and so— Kristen, like you said about your grandfather's tools, it's like, what elements can we work with to connect and heal the past? And I think that food is a really great way to do this. And I know we've done a couple episodes around kitchen witchery, um, Mm -hmm. if you're interested in this, listeners. But, you know, my grandma lit up when I asked her about Polish recipes and began mailing me handwritten note cards with recipes on them. And like, if I wouldn't have talked to her about this I never would have received that magic you know and food Mm -hmm. is magic Mm -hmm. I mean additionally too you know I have ancestors who were colonizers and murderers and that does not sit well with me of course you know but I need to be honest about that and not romanticize it or ignore it and I think that that's part of the work for me of ancestor work too you know I also have ancestors who were persecuted, artists, chased out of their land. And I think that this is a great practice for witches to hold the yes and. It's like the yes, this is complicated. And yes, it's also important. And, you know, if for reasons in your life your ancestry is not accessible to you, for many it's not. um, Working with archetypal ancestors of your lineage can be a great way to work and parse through that or even the gods and goddesses of your ancestors and again plants recipes i think also uh at least for me reading books about past lives and out-of-body experiences and dream walking Mm. can be helpful here too 
I saw that Tamed Wild just got some Michael Newton books in, and I love him. Also, Robert Monroe. Um, you know, these are authors and doctors who study the spirit world, and I think that's been helpful for me when it comes to expanding what I know and believe about the soul and what we're doing when we're not in our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. I love that. I would also love to do a past life regression someday. Oh, same. Yeah. Mm. So I think that this is maybe all the time we have for today. Um, Thank you again, listeners, for your thoughtful, exciting, and compelling questions and conversations. We're looking forward to next week and sending you lots of love and magic wherever you are. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Tune in to next week's episode where we talk about in bulk. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be for something better. Until next time. <laughs>